What's up, party people? This is Ian Lenhart. We're in Miami, Florida. I'm looking outside. It's sunny, and the sun's telling me that it is a damn good day to have a damn good day. Before we jump into today's amazing episode, I'm so fired up about this guest on The Damn Good Day Show. I want to talk about saving you more time by outsourcing. I'm particularly talking about working with a VA or a virtual assistant. Now, these are the type of things that are really hard for any entrepreneur, anyone really to just offload. Number one, it requires some level of trust. You have to have work that's offloadable and you really have to you know, give something you've never tried before a shot. But when you get a VA, everything's going to change in your life. When you can outsource the small tasks that maybe someone else is much better at, and it's not something that you're passionate about, maybe potentially scheduling on a calendar or checking your email or doing certain media graphics or things that just tick you off, right? We all have certain things that we just don't like doing, right? Use a VA to outsource that entire process. How do you do that? Go to onlinejobs.ph. You can do, I think they have a seven day trial, but they also have a, a one month subscription, which you can get it for a month. You can post a job. You can say how much you're looking to, to pay, right? And then you'll get all these inbound leads of people that want to apply for that virtual assistant job. From there, you can set up a free account on Calendly and you can send them your calendar so that they can easily schedule within the time zones that they're working with. And you can interview two, three, four, 10 people. Find someone that meets your vibes. Find someone that meets your mojo and work with them. Start building relationship with them and outsource the things that aren't serving you so you can focus on things that are. Now, I'm super fired up about today's guest. We're talking to Connor Rawl from Forerunner Lifestyle. I have personally been trying to get him on the podcast for quite some time now. Luckily, the schedule's all worked out between both parties and we went into it. Connor is the founder of Forerunner Lifestyle. They have such a unique story. They specifically sell within a very targeted niche uh, to people with Toyota Forerunners, uh, accessories and parts uh, that you can mod and add to your Forerunner. What's so great about this podcast is all of the different lessons he mentions can be applied to every little niche audience that you guys are talking to or that you're thinking about marketing into. So this is for people that want to learn more about how to target a niche how to build a brand that people love and support, how to hire new talent, how to overcome pivots as you're going through it, and most importantly, how to pivot, I mean, excuse me, how to bootstrap your business so that you can remain more control, not have to take out extra loans or unneeded raising of capital. So I'm really fired up about today's episode. Connor is such a genuine, awesome guy based in Utah, has built an amazing team. Their, their business is astonishingly growing so, so fast. And he's just a genuine great person that just laid it all out for us today. So really excited for you guys to jump in. And so without further ado, episode 134 with Connor Rowell from Forerunner Lifestyle. Get out your pens and papers, open up the ear mics. We're jumping into it. And we're live. Connor Rawl is in the building, coming live from Utah. Man, how you doing? Happy Tuesday. Good, Ian. How are you doing? Living the dream. And I'm super fired up that we made this happen. I know we've been going back and forth for a few months now. Um, I just want to preface this entire podcast to say I'm super stoked to be talking to you because I love your product, right? It's extra special for me when I get to do podcasts with business owners that I personally use their products. Yeah, and, for sure. Uh, you know, sure. I bought my 2020 Toyota 4Runner a year and a half ago. And uh -huh. since I've, I think I've dropped over 5,000 on your shop, you know, I just boosted it up. <laughs> the marketing is so great. The people, like just everything you guys are doing, you seem to be building an amazing culture and an amazing business. 
Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I like saw you tag us in a story the other day. You're like, you got the addiction, like all of us, like adding mods to your forerunner all the time and stuff. Yeah. And it's so fun because of the freedom of just having any vehicle. Like when I grew up, my dad always used to say, you know, the best thing in life is having a reliable vehicle because he always just drove like, you know, a total shit box into the ground. Right. Uh -huh, and, uh, -huh. uh, I remember, you know, I lived in, uh, Santa Monica for three years before I moved to Florida. And I was literally just driving a scooter every day. Like one of those birds. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, it was cool though. It was like Santa Monica to Venice. You're on the beach. You're young. You're like, yeah, oh, I'm young yeah. and broke and it's sweet, you know? Absolutely. Um, but then when I moved to Florida, I'm like, I need to get the dream car. I love forerunners because I think that they're like, they have that gangsterness, but they don't have that, you know, poshness where you're trying to like be too much, but they just are one of the greatest vehicles you know, on the planet, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like as like times are changing in the auto industry, it's like one of the last like analog vehicles that like it, it just, it has what you need. It doesn't have what you don't need. And there's some features that we kind of wish were on them that aren't or whatever, but at the same time, like it's like less things that are going to like fail or break. And so, yeah, I really like it. It's got to add some level of predictability for your business because they're not changing everything up. Right. It's been pretty similar for the last decade, or if they do their mild adjustments, it must be a little bit better to be in that space than let's say something that changes every year. Absolutely. It's so nice. Like, the fact that they haven't changed the forerunner, it's still in the fifth generation since 2010. So it's been over a decade. The fact they haven't changed it is just beneficial for us because like we don't have to do like research and development for new products. Like it's just been the same. And so <laughs> like, yeah, you just get a lot of mileage out of this products you create and stuff. It's cool that anytime you pick an industry, every industry is going to have its own problems and challenges to solve, right? I've never spoken to anybody that's in this, like the auto parts world and, and learning that I'd love to kind of take us back. Like, where were you before, you know, you kicked off this venture and kind of, you know, maybe some of the decision-making process that eventually led to deciding to give this a whirl. Yeah. So I was in, I was in college and well, basically before that I had a 98 forerunner in high school, a third gen. And it was just like, super reliable. I loved it. It like got me like, it got me off the road and on the trails. And like, it just took me and my friends to rad places when we were in high school. And so I sold that eventually. And then I got married and I was in school and I needed another like reliable vehicle. The car I had like, wasn't going to do it. And so I got a forerunner and I was like, like everyone that buys a forerunner, you want to start building it out. You want to add stuff to it. Like, like I said, it's kind of an addiction. And so I follow a bunch of Instagram accounts trying to figure out what I should put on it. But I noticed all the accounts, like they weren't posting very good, high quality photos and stuff like that. Um, and I had no intention of like making a business or anything at all. And so I, uh, make an Instagram account for under lifestyle and I just start posting stuff. And it's like a good lesson to learn because it seemed like at that point, there was so many big Instagram accounts of foreigners. It seemed like way too late, like to do anything. And I'm like, well, I don't really care. Like, I'm just like, want to interact with the community and I want to post rad stuff and I'm passionate about my forerunner. 
so yeah, I started posting on it just super, super consistently. And over time, it started gaining a lot of traction, getting a lot of followers. And I was in my senior year of college. And I'm thinking, man, this has got like 70,000 followers now. Like, I don't think I'm going to like do what I wanted to do for my career. Like when I went into school and I'm thinking, well, I've got 70,000 followers I can monetize now. And so, yeah, like that's when the brand was born. What was that that you were in school for? I was in school for business management, but I didn't really have a clear path of like what I was going to do after after college. So it kind of like, it made sense, 70,000 followers. I'm like, okay, like if you can't do anything with 70,000 followers, you're kind of an idiot. I better do something with it. So a lot of these posts were just like general, just sweet looking forerunners. Like you weren't linking anything to a shop. You were just shouting out people for sweet cars. Yeah, totally. So yeah, I didn't have a website or anything. I was just like screenshotting other people's posts and their cars that they would submit to me because like people like to get reposted and stuff. And so I wasn't even creating the content. I was just bringing it all together on the Instagram page. But as you like get more followers and stuff, people submit their forerunners to you. They're like, Hey, like repost this on your page. Like it's a really active community. Everyone is like super chill, way cool. Like sometimes you see a forerunner and you give like a forerunner way, like almost kind of like a Jeep type of thing. And so, yeah, it's, it was a good community and everyone like bros down and stuff. I love that because it's so true. Like, again, when you're picking an industry to work in, you have to ask yourself, who are the type of people you're going to be talking to? You know, it's the whole thing. Are you going to get a bunch of Karens just lighting up your CS or are you going to be selling a product to someone that's, you know, very aligned with your goals and your values? Like that was a big thing that got us excited. So I, I have a cigar company. It's called cigars.com with an S. We sell cigars online through a uh, online marketplace. And I love it because it's like the type of people that are attracted to smoking a cigar or driving a forerunner are just chill peeps, you know? A hundred percent, 100 percent. And you're able to just do that. And I like what like you mentioned about just posting it because anyone can do that. Anyone could do that with anything they like. They could just start the brand. They could start the page. What were some of your tips of building loyalty to the brand, right? Like, did you find that there was a point maybe where you started to kind of build those sort of like cult-like followers, if you would, that were just all about it and they felt like they were part of sort of the gang? Yeah, totally. I was really, I didn't just post random crap, you know? I was like careful about what I posted, that it was, it was interesting content, content people wanted to see content that was like inspiring to them in a way of like, okay, like that forerunner's way built out. I would like mine to look like that. And so, yeah, I really, I was careful about what I posted to make sure that it wasn't just going to be the crap that everyone else was posting. People were posting like bad quality photos where I was thinking like, how do you even take a photo that bad? Like we all have like smartphones now. Like, how do you even do that? Like, I don't even know how you take a photo that bad. And so, yeah, I was just really careful and really consistent. Um, and it, I like what you said that anyone could do something like this and you're a hundred percent right. Like finding something that you're passionate about and creating an audience, um, whether it's on YouTube or Instagram or TikTok. like I would have never expected to start a business from this. 
And it all started from just posting consistently. And it took $0 like initially, just $0 to get 70,000 followers, just, just consistency. And that's all really all it took. And so, yeah, people kind of overcomplicate things sometimes and think that they're going to have to spend a lot of money on ads and everything like that. And it did take like three years to build up that following initially, but like we all have three years, like you can do it if you're consistent with it and you're passionate about it, you can build that audience for free. And it's like one of the reasons why we've never ran ads before is because we have a big following on social media. And like you said, like they're passionate and they're loyal to us. And so, yeah, we're lucky that we haven't had to run ads. Yeah, your brand is so targeted. It's very strong, right? Like, you know who your target audience is. I've suffered with that so much throughout my life because like many people, I have just a straight squirrel brain and I'm interested in so many different things, right? And like, if you don't niche out and pick something and pick an audience, it's so hard to get that thousand true customers that people are always striving to get to turn it into a million dollar business. But like for your market, it's so niche, like forerunner owners. Boom. Like that is beautiful. That's crazy. You don't even run any ads too. Yeah. We have never ran ad. And it, like, speaking of like being in a niche market, like when we launched foreigner lifestyle, we actually didn't, it wasn't called foreigner lifestyle. It was really strange. So my brother, he, at the same time bought a Tacoma and he was like, okay, well, I want to build up a Tacoma following as well as he saw that, that I was building up my forerunner one. So he starts Tacoma lifestyle. I was like, oh, I'll just call it Tacoma lifestyle. I was like, oh, cool. Like, and so we, we both like, we're building up those followings and we're like, okay, let's go together and build a website for all overlanding. So like overlanding is like a mix between off-roading and camping. It's super popular right now. It's like, it's really growing. Um, and we just felt like no one was really like monetizing right in that space. And so we started an overland website and basically we're like, we'll use our followings together to funnel people to this overland website. But as time went on, we felt like it was growing and it was actually doing really well. But after about six months, people were getting confused like our followers were like, Hey, like, are you guys like affiliates with this company? And we're like, no, like we're, we are that company. Like we're the same. They're like, but you're called foreigner lifestyle. And this is like a different website and different name. And we kind of, I had this moment where I was thinking, okay, well, out of all of our followers, there's a hundred percent chance that someone that follows foreigner lifestyle is interested in forerunners, but not everyone that has a forerunner is, is interested in overlanding. And we like had this big moment where we're like, okay, hey, like we're doing it wrong and we had to pivot. And so we launched Forerunner Lifestyle website, which is just specific to Forerunners. It matched the Instagram page and everything. We just broke off the Overland side and overnight we like doubled our revenue. It was insane. And we were like super, super grateful that we did that. And people like always laugh sometimes. They're like, wait, so you just sell Forerunner stuff. Like that's all that you do. And I'm like, yeah, like it's super niche, but also like you said, you're really able to target people. You're doing marketing to them and you just, you know, they have a forerunner and you know, they're passionate about it and you know, they want to buy stuff for it. 
And so doing that pivot was the best move that we ever made. And I don't think that people should be afraid of like being in like a small niche where they can just like really go for it because we rank really high up on Google and stuff for 400 parts. But if we were like, oh, we're all off-roading stuff. Well, there's like millions and millions of websites and you're competing against huge players, but being in a niche has been awesome for us. That's amazing. That's a fantastic story. I, I, I saw something similar when I was working um, with, with Trueface. So originally, basically, Trueface is a facial recognition company. So I was the first employee with the team. We scaled it to you know, 20 or so people. We got acquired. It was, a, it was awesome. Um, but it was a lot of learning experience. And we pivoted from selling a facial recognition doorbell to a, um, to a facial recognition software. And that changed instantly, changed everything for us. But it was hard wow. to like give up the passion of like selling this hardware, this thing you can touch and feel, right? But it's like doing those hard audits on yourself and asking yourself, am I doing this right? Is this the best path towards value? And am I serving this audience correctly? I mean, you absolutely hit it out of the park. And when I say that everything is just dialed in with you guys, it is. It's so low key. It's so chill. It's so bro. It, that makes me want to buy more right? Like your little text messages saying, Hey, I just got, you know, these like knobs that were white. I was like, I need that. You know, I yeah. need that, you know, like $60 done sold, you know, it's like, they're so relevant because you just have this dream of like accomplishing your dream build and it's your getaway. It's your escape into the wilderness in your life. I think that's what the forerunner in these overland market, right? Represents. It's like this escape from the nine to five and the the everyday just craziness of yada yada get out in the woods hang out with your dog and just chill in your freaking beast of a vehicle yeah 100 percent. like you're kind of like selling a lifestyle like when you're buying a foreigner you're kind of like buying into the lifestyle where you're like want to get out you want to like leave the city um did you you want to just get off the grid and just be away for a little bit and so that's why like when the pandemic hit it was like we were in the right place at the right time like we had launched our business like an year a year earlier and so everyone was like screw this like I'm out of the city like I want to get out in the mountains and stuff and so yeah it really is like a a lifestyle car that also serves really well as a daily driver so how did that all work out when it came to starting to actually sell the product so my uh couple just to preface a couple of my good friends um own the company throttle I don't know if you're familiar with it um, Evan Beckerman, Rick Beckerman, um, they're like a car, just an overall car parts for all different, like, you know, mostly like fast racing cars, um, TJ hunt, those type of guys. And I loved hearing their story because they're just two dudes from New York and they, you know, they, they built this marketplace, started small and built themselves up. How did it start on your end when it came to actually selling products? Did you have to raise money? Were you straight up like buying 10 headlights and selling 10 headlights and just like, you know, bootstrapping it or what did that look like? Yeah, we bootstrapped it from the very beginning. So we like initially were able to find like some suppliers in China. And so we're able to just like throw like whatever money we had at like a few grand here and a few grand there to get some stuff on the website. And then we did a little bit of drop shipping as well. And so you didn't have to really have any capital for that. And we hit up all these companies so like we manufacture our own products 
but we also are, are a dealer for like 60 or 70 companies as well. But at the beginning, it was like kind of a hard sell because I'm like building out the website and it doesn't look as good back then as it does now. And you're like telling these huge companies, hey, like we want to become a dealer for you online. And they're like, hey, like, where's your store? And we're like, well, it's in my garage. Like, that's what it is right now. So it was it was kind of a tough sell at first. But when you get on the phone with them and like tell them about your vision, they were kind of like, okay, like I get it. We'll give you a shot and see how you do. But yeah, it just took like what you said, just, okay, well, like here's a couple grand. We're going to buy this product. And then when we have 20 left, we'll order some more of that. And then when we have one more left of those headlights, we'll order some more. And it was just like that snowball effect over time, just putting everything back into the business for a really, really long time. It took, it took a lot of work, but we didn't want to like raise any money or anything like that. Cause we're thinking, well, I don't even know if this is going to work or whatever, but did you have a full-time job while you were doing this? Initially I did. Um, I had a full-time job and then I went to part-time as it started to gain more traction. And then we like hired an employee and stuff like that. And so we quit our main jobs, which was like, it wasn't that tough of, of a decision because the company at that point had a lot of traction and was doing, was doing pretty well. But yeah, there was a little bit of like just jumping off into the deep end because I was trying to kind of pursue my regular career and then do this at the same time. And then I was talking to a buddy of mine and I'm saying, man, I don't, I don't know what to do. I've got a kid now. I've got a mortgage. I don't know. Like, what if like everything goes south? And he said, hey, man, if you're trying to catch two bunnies at the same time, you're not going to catch any of them. You'd need to like just peel off and just try to catch one. And I was like, man, you're 100% correct. Like, I'd need to just burn the ships and go for it. So, yeah, quit my job and did it full time. And that was a few years ago now. And haven't looked back. It's been an awesome ride. That's amazing. Was there like a certain, like when you're doing these deals with these suppliers, was there like a particular one that gave you a shot and you were like, it was a game changer where you just left that meeting, just fist pumping, like we're doing it. Yes. There was, there was a couple like that. One was like picking up Prinsu roof racks. Um, that was a big one for us. Prinsu, like they own the market for foreigner roof racks and when we picked them up and like they gave us a shot, I was so pumped. Like, I remember like we ordered a couple of them and that like drained our whole bank account to like, just get a couple of these roof racks because they're pretty expensive. But yeah, when we like left that meeting, we were super pumped. Like they could see our vision and everything. And like, they trusted us. And I look back now and I'm thinking, man, I don't know. Like if I would have trusted myself, like if I was Prince, you know, I don't know if I would have like given our company is shot. I thought our website looked so good, but looking back on it now, I kind of laugh at it. I'm like, they went to our website and just said, oh yeah, yeah, we should, we should work with them. But yeah, that, that got us pretty pumped up. What did you build your website website on? It's on Shopify. Nice. Yeah. We, we use square and we just love it because it's so easy. Everything's just controlled because I've, I've built my own website, like ianlinehart.com. It's like a custom built Webflow website. And it's sick when you go to it, you're like, well, so like this, this guy's got some swag and great branding, but it's such a pain in the butt when things break, right? It's, 
I almost regret it. And, but you got to learn, you got to take those shots and try different things and find what works. And to everyone listening, I have found that if you're going to start any business, especially in the beginning, start off on an easy plug and play platform that controls as many things as possible, uh, because it'll avoid that technical conversation that's going to eventually come up. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Yeah. I've, I've loved using Shopify. It's been super easy. I actually like just learned it and built out our whole website. And then when we redesigned it a couple of years ago, I did the whole thing again. I just kind of blown away how easy it is and how professional it can look. Yeah. It's fantastic. Now, as you're scaling, what are some of like the biggest milestones that you hit that you can look back on that, you know, really took things to the next level? Um, I think that some of our big milestones have just been being able to stock certain inventory and stuff. Our industry is, everything's like based on lead times. Like there's always lead times. It's always like, okay, well, you order this, you're going to, and it will ship in four weeks. It'll ship in five weeks. It'll ship in eight weeks. And so as time has gone on, we've like realized, okay, like that's not the way to go. Like we want to get to our customers quicker and we still have a lot that we could do with that. But that's kind of been some big milestones. It's like picking up brands and like carrying stuff in stock that nobody has done before. Um, and so, yeah, I, that's been awesome. Just being able to have things in stock and our customers always, always mention that to us. And so Placing those like big orders with companies is always like blows my mind when like a hundred roof racks shows up when we were like a year and a half into our business, we ordered a hundred of them for Black Friday and we're like, okay, like we're the only ones that have them because nobody else really stocks these. They all drop ship them. And as we were going into Black Friday, we sold out of those roof racks in like a week. And I remember like me and uh, my business partner, we like took a picture outside of our, our, our little warehouse and we we're like had our hands in the air. We were just so pumped. I couldn't believe it. And that was like one of the big milestones to me as I was thinking, wow, like this is, this is really working. We never thought that we could ever sell that many roof racks at one time. And we did it and I was just blown away. Yeah. The roof rack, the Prince of roof racks are fantastic. I looked at Gobies. I looked at the other ones and it just, the, the the sleekness and the look of them are just gorgeous. I, it was a no brainer. Yeah. Yeah. They're rad. I, th I think my favorite purchase probably is the Morimoto headlights just because oh, the, yeah. the, the stock halogen lights on forerunners are just so bad. And like getting the LEDs is such a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. I need to like see, uh, I saw a picture of your forerunner the other day, but um, you've got, you've got the headlights you said you have a roof rack now. I got the Prince roof rack. I got the little four little holders, which are so unnecessary, but they look sweet because it's yes, like black yeah. and white. It's like Gucci'd out. I got the headlights. Uh, what else did I get? I think those are the major things. There's definitely one other thing I'm missing that I got. Are you are you done now? Or are you gonna? Do you have stuff that you want to throw on it? hundred percent. There'll be stuff I want to throw on it. Like I want to do the front thing with like the, the, the grill part. Cause my front isn't that mean looking. It's got the forerunner, right. But uh -huh. I don't have the hood scoop hood scoop. I think looks really nice, really clean. Yeah. I could put more lights on. I just love lights. My entire house is equipped with Philip led lights. So everything's controlled by Alexa. Totally. And uh, I'm just, I love LEDs. Right. 
so I'll eventually I'll put that on. I'll do the front grill and then black out that bottom part, maybe the, the skid plate. I'm just kind of more of what many people unfortunately would call a pavement fairy, right? Like I did, I dip my toes in the off-road, but I'm not a true off-roader. I just like to feel like it. And Hey, your, your, your stuff does a great job to do it. <laughs> totally. Totally. No, you're foreigner sick, man. I'm like, it's getting built out. Yeah. It's fun. And uh, it's fun too, because it's, again, it's just taking out people on a good time. Like I use it mostly for, um, putting paddle boards on when I'm just like dipping out to the water. Uh, I like just having, I I've camped in there before, just literally put like, like a blow up thing. It's big enough. The forerunner trunks are big enough where you can just straight go camping. Oh yeah. And, totally. and I'm, I'm getting a dog in summer and he's going to be a straight beast. And yeah, uh, we're on gonna... the back window for the dog. And the back window feature is one of the most amazing things. Every company needs to adopt that. hundred percent. It's like the most simple little thing, but I honestly love it. Like rolling down, rolling in the summer and just like having the, the back window down. It's a flex. I, I looked at the TRD pro. I think the SR five is just the play over the TRD pro because I just think it's way more fun to make those upgrades. What are your thoughts there? Yeah. Like the, the thing is, I think a lot of people buy the TRD pro like I did and then eventually like swap out the things that made it a TRD pro to begin with. And so, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of people like start out with an SR5 or uh, a TRD off-road and then just like swapping things and stuff instead of getting a TRD Pro. And also the TRD Pros, like they go for way over sticker right now. It's just ridiculous. And I can't get on board with paying over sticker ever. I just can't do that. I hear you. The other thing I have is the back ladder because the ladder is that you need the ladder in the back. Oh yeah, totally. Like the, so I was hanging out with this girl the other day and she's like, so, so what's this ladder for? I'm like, yeah, well, yeah. You know, mm, I mean, zombie apocalypse, like got to get up there, you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's funny. It's the whole, it's the whole spiel. It's the whole look. It's the, it's the forerunner lifestyle. And that's, what's so fascinating about your brand is that you built this lifestyle and a lot of people may, might try it. You were successful and Instagram seems to be a very hot topic for you. What other social media channels were like big for you? And, and what, what were some of your learnings there? So yeah, Instagram is huge for us. And it's been this weird thing where we've just had a hard time jumping to other platforms. Um, we've know, we know that we've needed to a lot earlier, but we were just busy and crazy and one thing that we neglected big time was YouTube. And so YouTube, it's like, if you get a part in the mail, like, where are you going to go to figure out how to install it? You're not going to read some stupid manual. You're going to go to YouTube. And so YouTube has just been this big wave that we've missed over the past couple of years, which as we've grown, we're like, okay, like we can't neglect it anymore. And so, yeah, we're really active on YouTube now. And that's super nice when someone buys something from us. We have a link in the description right to that YouTube um, install video. And so we're doing a lot of install videos right now. And that's super nice. We're actually acquiring a lot of customers through YouTube that are like trying to find stuff for their forerunner. And uh, uh, we'll find our videos and click on the link in the description. So YouTube's been a big one. We're also on TikTok now. And that's kind of been a slow grind and stuff, but it's nice because you make a reel 
or a TikTok video and you can post it on Instagram Reels, you can post it on TikTok and you can post it on YouTube Shorts. So you get a lot of mileage for it and it's, you know, you're posting on one platform, it takes five seconds to post on another. You've been using YouTube Shorts? Yeah, we have been. How is that? It's actually been good. Like there's been some videos that have gotten some pretty decent, decent traction. It's nothing like Reels or TikTok for us. But I think YouTube with their algorithm and stuff, like they will prioritize their own features and stuff. And so that's been good. We'll post something like a snippet of our video and link it to our main video or post about a product on our shorts uh, that we wouldn't make a whole YouTube video on, but it's definitely worth sharing with our subscribers. So yeah, we, we use YouTube shorts a lot. When you think about posting on social media and as you started to outsource certain elements of your business and grow your team, did you think, did you, did you want to control the social media aspect and you be the one that's always making the content or did you hire people to help you with the content? What was kind of that decision-making process like? So it's kind of weird. I feel like with the business, I'm always down to like, you know, hire people and allow people to do those things so I can focus on other things. And so I'm not like a micromanager or anything, but almost like with content, I'm like really particular about it just because I've been the one that's done it for so long. And so I'm the one that posts everything on Forerunner Lifestyle, but it's been recently, like I'm talking like the past like three months that we hired a full-time photographer and videographer. And it's honestly been a game changer, like letting go of some of the control and seeing what someone else can do with it. And like seeing like their strengths come to play, which are some things that like I wasn't as good at, you know? And so having a videographer has been amazing and a photographer. And so I've kind of like let go of some of the control of the content and it's been for our benefit. So yeah, like we have a guy that creates all of our reels and stuff now and takes photos of the vehicles and comes out on the trails with us and documents it. And yeah, it's been like a good lesson for me, you know, to be able to like recognize things and be able to know that like, okay, well, like I've just been doing this for so long, but there's other people that are extremely talented and more talented than me in some ways they can do it better. And I didn't really have the time to really focus on the content because I'm like also running a business. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's been nice to be able to have a full-time guy that takes that over. I feel like the more I talk to different people in all different walks of life, that's the common theme is relinquishing control is going to be obviously the fastest way to scale, but it's so tough in the content world because you have your own flavor. And if it's not the exact flavor, you get so frustrated and immediately go back to your flavor. So it's like, for example, Sky um, from Sky Life, Sky Cowens, she's got like 500,000 YouTube subscribers. She creates content about the spiritual world. She's freaking awesome. Such a cool person. And she makes these unbelievable, essentially mini documentaries every time she does a video. And so much production goes into it. And she was killing herself, just making these videos, filming, oh, editing. Yeah. She, it was nuts. And she would never let anyone else edit. And she was telling me she finally, 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 after three years or something like that, uh, relinquished control and found someone who's pretty good 
and uh, and it's changed her life because now she can focus on these things. So that's a good lesson for us. I mean, we're we're working on finding some great people to help us with cigars on that front um, because obviously, you know, uh, we need to get different flavor of people. But it's something that I know all content creators go through. So it's it's very uh, interesting that you face something similar. Yeah, totally. Because I, there was so long that like when you first start a business that you're working in your business and then like you, you hire some people, but I was still like working in the business. I wasn't able to work on the business. And so being able to hire talented people, I think that at first, like when you first start a company, you're kind of like, see it as an expense. You're like, okay, well, like if I hire that person, that's going to cost this much, but not paying attention to the value they're bringing and the revenue that they will bring in from their work and allow you to focus on the main things and, you know, like steering the ship in a way. So yeah, that's been like a huge lesson to learn is like, okay, like when you hire the right people in a smart way, they're going to bring so much value to the company that it shouldn't view it as an expense. Like you should almost view it as an investment that's going to bring you more money in the future. When you went through that early hiring process, because it's always difficult for any startup, especially when you're bootstrapping, you don't have money to just pay someone hundred K a year, right? Like in the beginning, um, when you go through that process, how do you have those initial conversations? Do you do equity or are you more so just finding like ways that gear up and paint the future. Can you tell us a little bit about your thought process of how you paint that to like some of your first employees? Yeah, absolutely. So we're kind of in a unique spot where we're in Provo, Utah. So there's two universities that are just like smushed in this town. And so we have all these college students that are looking for a job. And so initially we're like, okay, well, you're going to get paid this. It's not terrible, but it's obviously not the best, but we, we're going to work around your school schedule. Um, we're a growing business. So you can like work up in this company because there's so many positions that, that we need to fill in the future. And then we're like way chill with them taking time off. Like, Hey, like if you're going to go camping, just like go for it. If you're going to go to Hawaii for a week, just let us know in advance. Like, we're like just been way chill about that stuff. And also we've hired a lot of enthusiasts. And so most of our employees drive a forerunner or a Tacoma already. And so they're like, okay, cool. Like all those perks. And then I get parts for wholesale. So that's been super nice is like hiring people that are also passionate about it and believe in the brand. It's been kind of interesting. Like there's been some positions that, you know, it's kind of like, there's definitely like a ceiling where you're, you know, if you're fulfilling or something that, you know, you eventually you're going to want to work up to a different position, but right. most of our employees, they want to stay here long-term, like they're in school, but they're like, Hey, like what positions are available here? When I graduate, I want to stay in this industry. It's so much more fun than my last job. And so we've tried to create a good balance and culture in our company of like work hard play hard like we have a lot of fun but we also get our shit done you know love that i mean that's it's thank you for the transparency there because it's it's great to understand you know that there are valuable resources in the college market that people can use and leverage in the beginning 
because I mean, first of all, who wouldn't want to work for a company like yours? So much cooler than JP Morgan, right? It's, you know, it, it sounds so much more fun. It's the dream, right? You're, you're working in an industry that you love, do what you love. You'll never work a day in your life. So, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. cliche, but like super like way true. Like we all go hit the trails together and stuff. Like we all like, like once a month um, we'll go camping and go hit trails and stuff. And yeah, everyone gets paid while they do it. And so you're like, okay, it's a fun job. We're in college or whatever. Sweet. But then we also have career positions here as well that, you know, people that are graduated are in and stuff and that are working up. Totally. Yeah. No, I love that. And then what about the fulfillment process? Because, you know, in my industry with cigars, it's easy, right? Cigars are so small and we can just flat rate ship, you know, it's, it's a very simple process, but when I order a package from you, I got, I got packages like real big boy packages. What has been your experience navigating that? Um, what were some of the frustrations and maybe like some of your fixes to those? Truly the most difficult part of the company I would say is like dealing with the warehouse and like inventory management and fulfillment. And so that is just like an ever evolving thing that I still feel like even to this day, we're still dialing in. And in five years, I think that we'll still be dialing it in and like fine tuning to a certain extent. But yeah, like when we're shipping things, some stuff, we have a forklift, you know, it's freight stuff which is like a whole nother beast. And then we have small things and big things. And so, yeah, it's been like probably the biggest headache of the whole company is like figuring out how to ship this stuff. Cause as time has gone on, we've gotten into more things that are just bigger and bigger and bigger and more difficult. And someone orders like, someone can order five things that are just completely different and like may need to be shipped all separately and costs a lot of money, you know? So navigating that has been difficult. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of learning and research about it has helped a ton and, you know, being in contact with smart people that know what they're doing to get us better rates on things and stuff has been super helpful as well. Can you talk more about getting better rates? Is that like directly, like, you don't have to give obviously your, your trade secrets, but when is that working with USPS or FedEx and just calling up and getting a rep on there and, and making sure that they understand your business and they can do like corporate discounts if you hit certain volumes or something? Yeah, totally. So like just recently, like we were just, we've been shipping with UPS for larger items for a long time and smaller things with USPS. And then recently a member of our team reached out to FedEx and was like, Hey, we're shipping, you know, X amount of these and X amount of these what can you do on our rates? And so for our lar larger items, we're going to be saving like 30 to 40 grand a year just on rates by just literally doing the same thing, but putting a different label on there and FedEx comes and picks it up. And so, yeah, I think like maybe getting into like a little bit of a bidding war with them where you're like, Hey, well, they're offering us this, what can you do and everything and it's kind of awkward when our UPS guy picks up now because there's only like a few things for him. And then FedEx shows up and they're getting the bulk of all of our stuff now because they came in super competitive with their rates. But yeah, we just found a local, a local rep that worked with us. And they're like, dude, you guys are overpaying for everything. And we're like, okay, you guys do the same thing as them. 
but going to give us a better rate. Let's do it. Yeah. Cross shopping is important, right? Price checking and, and just being it's sales at the end of the day, right? You know, it's making sure people understand that you are in the market and you give people options. I think that sales is obviously something that is a, very uncomfortable for a lot of people and a lot of business owners. But once they step into the ideology that every single time you go and try to convince yourself or convince your spouse to watch a movie, you're selling. And it's just being honest, being transparent and just cutting to the chase I found has been so effective and just being real and authentic with people. Because I feel if you can achieve real and authenticity, number one, you can smell bullshit. And then number two, you can attract the good stuff. And if you can create a mutual relationship where everyone's winning, I mean, that's how great businesses are built. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. It's like sales is huge. And so it is kind of nice. And like working with talking with other business owners as well. Like we're working on getting our text message marketing platform up for a while. And, you know, they came in with a certain price and I'm like, I'm not like naturally like a negotiator or anything. And so I'm like, well, that sounds like a pretty good deal, I guess. And then I like talked to my buddy that uses them. Their company's pretty large. And they said, okay, well we get these rates. And it was like half what we were going to pay. And so coming in with that as a bargaining chip, Hey, like my friends with you guys, he gets this talking with other business owners and stuff can help you get a good gauge on if you're getting a good deal or if you're kind of getting screwed. Yeah. I mean, SaaS companies and just any of these people, they can sell their product for 75% cheaper if they need to. Totally. Yeah. It's such a weird thing. It's the fact, it's the fact how the world is. And what's crazy is these yeah. big corporate companies, what they'll do is they'll, they know that, right? Like a big company with 10,000 people, they know that you will come down to get the deal in at the end of the quarter because you need to, right? And they'll use that against you and they'll wait to the last second to get you to drop your rates. So there's definitely some, some combating, some swordsmanship that happens inside of those philosophies of just getting to the right price. But if you're willing to stick it out and just be honest, like, Hey, look, I will, I will give you a deal. I will literally, you will walk away. Your quota will get hit and it will be good, but I'm just not going to pay more than this. It's just that simple. So call me when you're ready. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, so, so, so. Sucks to be on the other end of that. But at the same time, it's great to get a sale. Everyone wins, you know? Totally. It's it's a weird space. And I like, I love things that are just, this is the price and it just is what it is. Because I'm like, it's so hard to figure out like where, like a, where the right point is. Like where like is a, a good price. That's a win for me. It's a win for them. You know, I'm like, I hate the guessing game, but yeah, if you have friends that are already using a certain company and they're using their SaaS products that you can talk with them and get a gauge on what they're paying and everything, it really helps be able to navigate that. Yeah. Yeah. Having friends is, is great. Relation, all business is so important to build relationships with people from all over. And it must be interesting in your industry, like how do these companies control the prices, right? you're getting at a wholesale price, but they're making sure that that price is still going to be consistent across all their outlets. Is that a pretty common thing that they make? They're very, very strict on like keeping it at a certain price as to not create like unfair advantages or anything in the marketplace. Yeah. Super strict. And we love working with companies that are way strict about it. Um, so they, yeah, they have a, an MSRP usually, which is um, yeah. Just like the, the regular, like retail price. And then they'll have a map price, 
which is like the minimum price that you can advertise a product at. And so basically like our whole website is at map pricing to give our customers the best pricing that they can find. Cause you, you realize like if you have your stuff at MSRP and it's above map, so you could sell it for cheaper, other people are selling it for map. And so realize our customers aren't dumb. They're going to find the best price possible, whether it's with you or someone else. And so we have things at map. And then if we ever somehow accidentally go down too low or they have a price increase that we weren't aware of, which like communication with these companies can sometimes be difficult. Like they jump on you super quick. They're like, you have to get this at map pricing ASAP. You're going to get cut off. You're not going to be able to sell these things. You, you cannot order on our website until you fix this, fix this mistake. And so luckily we have a guy that pretty much does that full time is like, watches all the pricing and stuff and make sure that we're we're competitive and that we're not too low we're not too high make sure we're at that sweet spot but i think it's a lot of companies in our space that we're a dealer for don't watch it too careful so you're like looking and you know we have something for sale for like 270 dollars, right which is the cheapest we can have it some other companies just sliding under the radar with it at 250 bucks oh man, that just pisses me off so much. And so I like hit up the company. I'm like, Hey, these guys, they're in violation of map. You got to hit them up. You got to hit them up. But I think in our industry, there's a lot of people that are just drop shipping. So they've created like a little Instagram account and they're only drop shipping and they just try to slide on, slide on, slide under the radar and with map violation and just being cheaper than everyone else. And so we're always like looking out for those people who are like hitting up the companies. Hey, you got to get this guy out of here. He's constantly under map on purpose and just trying to undercut everyone. But the problem is like when everyone's going too low, it's just like a race to the floor, you know, but if everyone has it at map, then it's a competitive space and whoever has the best marketing is going to win at that point. Yeah, that makes total sense. And it controls the branding, controls the experience, creates predictable revenue for everybody. Uh, and I'm sure there's always going to be people trying to like beat that. I mean, that's, that's naturally every business person's first instinct. Right. But the idea that everyone is controlling, it makes total sense. And it's also why when I go to your site, I typically don't see giant fluctuations in pricing, right? Like sometimes you have these sales, um, which are fire, like your black Friday. I think I was one of those dudes that got the Prince Iraq for the, the black Friday. It's a good call. Um, it, it, I mean, I definitely got the hot, the headlights at the discount price. That was a big deal for me because those are expensive. Pricey. Uh, but you need good headlights. I mean, like you don't need them, right? Whenever you have that question, that's that's why it's an addiction. You don't need any of this shit, right? You know, the, the car itself is plenty, but the, the, the back window going down, whoo, damn, you're ahead of the comp. But it is nice when you clean that car. I like your post. It's like, it's funny when you clean your car and then you just get it all shitty like the next hour. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. That's like the constant struggle right now is like trails are opening up in Utah as the snow was melting and everything like the gates are getting opened. And so I'm hitting the trails a lot, but then like, I just don't want my car to be dirty all the time. Like I like to take care of it. Um, but then I wash it and the next day it's dirty again. I'm thinking, man, this is a vicious cycle. hundred percent. Yeah. I, I wish I had a forerunner out there. I wish I was into cold weather. I grew up in upstate New York. I just, I never want to do it again. So I live in Miami now. Right. 
Um, yeah. But you can hit it. You can hit the sand dunes, man. You know, every now and there then. There you go. You'd be surprised, like how many of our customers like live in places where there's absolutely no off-roading, and they they just it's not even like a possibility for them unless they drive hours away, and they have like ten thousand dollars worth of camping gear on their Forerunner. They're just all geared up all the time, but they just they never take it anywhere but the mall. It's funny, but yeah, it's just like part of the vibe and like right. You know, yeah I, I wanted to get the rooftop tent the sky camper whatever they are they're like three g's but i yeah. just thought to myself um this is number one i don't know if i'm gonna even make it into like a parking garage with this thing on yeah but you just freaking want it though it's like yeah it's funny yeah the, the next thing i'm definitely gonna get is that awning that goes along the sidebar that you can pull out you yeah know, that thing is cool yeah hit me up and get you a deal <laughs> sounds good if you could go back this is something i know we're coming up on time this, I, if you could go back in time and you could have told yourself like let's imagine you're back in college when you just started that forerunner lifestyle page and you could have like the like current you could have went back and talked to that younger college crazy you and would have said one two or three things that could have saved you a ton of time money headache tears learning lessons and obviously the best answer is always i wouldn't have changed anything because it made me who i am today right but for the sake of the question what are some things that for you wish you could have told yourself that could could have saved some of those things probably to not procrastinate and don't overthink and don't feel like you have to have everything perfect to start um i kind of felt like that for a long time is that there was like a year's time where it was just like almost like a meme amongst like my family and friends that like I was going to do something with the foreigner lifestyle Instagram page, but like, like I got to read this one book before I do it. I got to like, listen to this one thing before I do it. I got to like, listen to this, this whole podcast and this book and all these things before I like take action. Um, instead of just going for it, you know? So I would have just told myself to just take action. Don't overthink. And just start where you're at. I love that. Take action. Don't procrastinate. And then the other thing I always hear from all these successful entrepreneurs is consistency. You know, it's like it, this stuff takes time, right? And a long, a big player with a lot of these small brands is longevity. If you can be in the market for five to 10 years, like you're going to come out somewhere, right? But it's mm -hmm. like, are you willing to put in that time? Are you willing to be consistent for three, four years before you hit that? you know, cross the chasm if you would. And if you are, you can't lose because at the end of the day, you're going to learn. Like it's not that complicated as it's not. And let me start that over. It is very complicated. If you procrastinate, it is complicated. If you don't take action, if you don't experiment and you've been doing all those things, you pivoted, you, you've launched this business and this niche stuff. There's so many, so few people that are doing what you're doing. And I'm just truly, honestly, extremely impressed by everything you guys are doing. So for all the listeners, I mean, number one, if you have a forerunner, I mean, boom, 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 ding, 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 like amazing. But following this playbook is going to be really important just for getting your foot in the door, getting started. So I, I love those tips. It makes a lot of sense. How, how can people continue to follow you, follow your brand and, and uh, continue to get more, more Connor tips in the future? Yeah. Check out foreigner lifestyles, Instagram account, YouTube, and then my personal Instagram is forerunner Connor. So the number four runner and Connor, C-O-N-N-O-R. 
Um, that's like my personal Instagram account. We'll post like more stuff around our, our warehouse and our office space and stuff. So yeah, they can, they can check me out there, but I, I just want to like encourage everyone. Like, um, if they're thinking about starting a business or something, like you said, that consistency, like the amount of people that don't have that think they don't have three to four years to like build something up. They just want something now. Well, that now is like never going to happen. You know, it's like, we, you have a lot of time. Like as I get older, the more I realize, okay, like 25 is really, really young. 30 is really young. 40 is even really, really young. Um, like if you start something now and you have that consistency, like it'll be, it'll pay dividends later down the road. Love it. We appreciate you, man. Looking forward to staying connected and uh, looking forward to, I'll definitely hit you up when I'm in Salt Lake City because uh, I'll be there or Utah yeah. in general. 100% man, I'll get you hooked up with some stuff. All right, brother, we appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you for listening to another episode. Remember, hope is not a strategy. Keep making moves. Till next time, peace.